Final segment here of the Panthers pre-draft podcast. Max Henson here with Brian Strickland. And Strick, my question for you for this segment is pretty simple. It comes down to what's more important, you think? What you see on the game tape or what you see in the pre-draft process when it comes to the athletic testing, the combine, the pro day, the measurables, all that goes into away from the football field. I mean, a, a cliche comes to mind for me, Max, what have you done for me lately? Um, and in this case, I don't think that actually aptly applies because that is a lot of what's going on right now is people are talking about what they've seen lately, what they've heard lately, coming off the combine, a little before that, the senior ball, the pro days, you know, all of those measurables and 40s and all that is the what have you done for me lately part of the equation. But then um, the, the other cliche that comes to mind is the tape doesn't lie, and that's something Dave Gettleman loves to say, and I understand why. And it's um, you know, end of the day about what you know, what can you do on the field? Um, you know, does a does a forty time? How much does a forty time matter versus game speed? Sure. That's it's all those types of things. Yeah, and it's this something I've been talked about every time the draft rolls around. You'll probably hear draft analysts talk about this in one form or another uh the, the the most famous example probably is jerry rice everybody talks about his 40 time being somewhere i don't know in the four six range whatever the greatest wide receiver of all time uh and he did not run a blazing four three forty. and it, you can always kind of go back to that and say and apply it to prospects in, in every draft class is is the guys that test through the roof aren't always going to be the best football players right. that's just the bottom line but when you're drafting a number eight especially uh, this conversation becomes a little more interesting because I think people want to see with that eighth pick somebody drafted who does test through the roof, who's able to kind of give you the best of both worlds, uh, has tremendous tape, and also is going to have testing scores and athletic profile that puts him in the 90th percentile of all those different types of events, the three cone, the 40, the vertical. And that's 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 tough yeah, to find. Right. I mean, I, and, and I understand why people look at it that way and you know we'll go back to a guy we talked about a couple times on this already Leonard Fournette who most mostly passed that test again I'm joking about the vertical you know I don't think anybody that makes decisions around the league cared about his vertical vertical leap but Mm -hmm. otherwise he had a lot of those things you're looking for water weight notwithstanding as well because we micro you know analyze to the nth degree all these things that that happen right now so but yeah you want to obviously you know Julius Peppers, who just came back in in this building, is kind of an example of that. As a guy who's picked number two overall in the draft, who had freakish, still, I mean, has freakish oh. athletic talent. You know, for for his advanced age. Sorry, Julius. I mean that mean that in the <laughs> kindest of ways. Um, but yeah, like obviously, athletic ability, once in a generation, athletic ability. You want that high in the draft if you want to find a true game changer for the long term. Um, so it's always a good starting point. Like some people also think, okay, you can't. Those are things you can't teach, as they say. That's, so that's you want, absolutely true. You want to try to lock that type of thing up. Yeah, you know, we've talked about Luke Keekley before here on the podcast. He's another one you can bring up in this conversation. A guy who tremendous tape, tremendous testing, no brainer. I mean, the the guy just had it all. Christian McCaffrey is another name I'll throw out right now too, where you turn on his tape and you're going to see him do some incredible things in the football field. You see what he did at the combine, and you know a lot of people now throw out these kind of web spider web graphics that show you kind of where these prospects are in relation to their peers. And and his web is fantastic. You know, he's one of the top athletes, can do all, do it all. 
But it's not the case for everybody. Um, and as we said, there are some doubts about McCaffrey's durability when you look at his size. There's always there's always a hole somebody can poke. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what this process is about. It's it's, it's so thorough. And uh, for for me, uh, you look at guys like like Dalvin Cook. We talked right. about before, who it's been so long since he last played a game that you feel like when the season ended, right after it ended, people probably had you know an opinion of Dalvin Cook as an NFL prospect. And how much has that changed now after he's gone through all these other events where his athletic testing hasn't been what people expected? Yeah. And what do general what do general managers think? We've heard Dave Gettleman say you know he's he's a tape junkie. Right. The tape is everything. Yeah. Um, of course, he's going to factor all those other things into it, but when you turn on the tape of Dalvin Cook, you're not going to suspect that he's going to test the way he did athletically. Yeah. But, of course, it's a factor, and it's something you have to consider. Right, and you, you use the term people and then general manners. You talked about what people think about Dalvin Cook. I mean, it matters who those people are, of course. I mean, we're no, no offense, we're talking about mock drafters mm-hmm. in a lot of cases, draft analysts, we're talking about fans as well versus you know what does the general manager think and that that is what matters we know Dave Gettleman will go back to the tape he will consider that I mean I think arguably I don't really think Dalvin Cook I mean for for my two cents applies in this situation but I think in some ways what's a bigger deal to general managers maybe when a guy you know does have a poor test versus having a great test like you know you kind of already know what this this guy is capable of on the field and then you get an alarmingly slow 40 mm-hmm. or yeah. something like that. It's a red flag. Um, but, you know, even that can be overcome. I mean, I know, uh, you know, I talked to a, a scout uh, one time that said, you know, you don't necessarily look at the worst a guy does. You look at the best a guy does. These guys get multiple chances at this. So, you know, yeah. some guys didn't have a great time in the, in the combine, but maybe a better time in the pro day. You know, we talked about Jamal Adams, mm-hmm. uh, the safety at LSU. And, you know, oh, the the hype about his forty time at at LSU, but it it proves what you're capable of. Um, you know, you're not necessarily going to get consistent performances in the in these um, measurables, but that's another reason why how valuable are they really? If a guy has a forty time like this, you know, now and then a right. completely different one in two weeks. Well, that's why people love the combine because the level playing field, everybody's running on the same track, and and of course that's kind of a, an equalizer. Is the numbers they put up in that combine setting is something that you can look at, and and they're all having to compete in that realm it's it's not a, lsu has a fast track so their pro yeah. day is a certain way or wisconsin has a fast track and, and let's be honest everybody's 40 times tend to be faster at their own pro day right so, true so that's that kind of so for me the combine levels the playing field and i feel like that's kind of another part of this discussion that brings some value to it is when you turn on the tape dalvin cook or Derek barnett all these guys they've got tremendous production right and barnett for instance Broke the record for Tennessee sacks. Right. You know, Reggie broke Reggie White. White's record. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable career at Tennessee, beating tackles left and right in order to get to the quarterback. Uh, had an amazing college career. Has not tested very well. And he's another one of these examples of a, a great one of the production, the tape versus a guy who is not going to be the top of his class when it comes to 40 time and explosion and athletic ability. Right. And I, I think it, there, there are a number of examples like that. But the the combine what it does is it does provide that level playing field whereas all these guys come from different systems and they're asked to do different things for their coaching staffs so you can't necessarily just look at all of those numbers and say well this guy is is a better prospect than the other because he produced more 
because you don't quite know what they've been asked to do in those systems. And I think that's kind of what the combine and these athletic testing does, is it strips the scheme away from these players. It strips what they were asked to do for these specific programs, and it puts them all in a situation where we're going to see how fast yeah. you run, how well you move. And that is interesting, I think, for GMs because they're they're not going to do the same things yeah. that Tennessee did with Barnett. Right. And they're not going to do the same things at Florida State with Dalvin Cook. They're going to ask them to do very specific things for the Carolina Panthers offense or the Green Bay Packers offense. And I think that's kind of where these athletic profiles come into play because you're not going to get the same player necessarily you got in college. You're going to ask him to do what you want him to do in your yeah. program. And, and not to poke holes in what you're saying because I completely agree. No, but, go for it. But even the level playing field of the combine, you mentioned Derek Barnett. I mean, he was sick at the combine. So, you know, was that really a level? he played through pain, which yeah. was a plus for him. Right. right? So I mean, he a, proved that he, right. could, he could tough it out. Yeah, and then, you know, we all have good days. We all have bad days. That's part of the reason that the times are different. It's mm-hmm. just you just get one shot at it. And just because you didn't perform on the day, maybe some – GM's going to say, oh, he didn't handle the pressure of it. But then others are going to say, you know what, he had a bad day. I mean, there's a million different levels to it. Dave Gettleman, you know, uh, various GMs have said through the years that the things they value most of the combine are the medical checks behind the scenes and those interviews we've talked about yep. where they get the guys one-on-one. And, you know, I'm not saying they they, they laugh. At, but the other thing, the people look at it differently. That's the other thing. You know, who, whatever GM you're talking to, they value them on different levels, even those things yep. where it's on a level playing field. Um, and, you know, if Derek Barnett is picked by the Panthers and he comes in here, you know, and has double-digit sacks as a rookie, what, is it, what, does, it what does it matter what he ran? Yeah, so you're, you're absolutely right. And that, that's the thing I kind of laugh at, too. When do these guys ever have to run a 40 again? Right. They, they never they, they prepare for that 140, and then three or four or five years down the road, who knows what their 40 time would be if you put them on a track. Right. But it's all part of this process. It's all it's thorough. I think is the is the word to use. Everybody is going to be very thorough, and then ultimately you're going to have to make a decision. But that word thorough is going to lead me to uh, another thing I want to talk about, which is a, a thing that me and Brian particularly have a lot of fun with when it comes to draft season. Look, we've talked a lot about prospects and fits and all that, and it's all valuable stuff. But sometimes you got to have a little fun with this, I think, Brian. Yeah. And sometimes we read scouting profiles, and we just can't help but laugh. And I know these guys are trying really hard to make it different and unique because there's a lot of prospects to go through. But every once in a while, you stumble across a description of a player's ability. And every day. Every, <laughs> <laughs> and you're just left... We're left laughing just because of, of, of what it's the lengths it's gotten to at this point. And I don't know if maybe you yeah. can share with some of our listeners kind of what we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, I wonder, too, if these guys, you know, they have to, these, you know, the Lance Zerlines of the world and right. Dane Bruglers for CBS. I mean, they have to. They have to write a lot of these too. They want to, you know, they want to keep it fresh. I mean, I think everybody knows what we're talking about. If you, you know, Google somebody and you'll find the profile kind of breaking them down, strengths, weaknesses, right. everything, and they get pretty technical and also pretty uh, hilarious at times. Very um, descriptive. Yeah, I mean, just uh, you know, noted a couple here. Descriptive is a good word. Lance Zerline, NFL dot com on Tim Williams, the linebacker DN type for Alabama. This is my favorite one, I think. Um, in case you were wondering about, you know, what kind of prospect he is, keep this in mind. His muscle fibers are tight and twitchy. I, I, know, so. I, I mean, I, I'm trying to fight back the laughter right now just hearing you say that again. 
What does that What does that mean, Brian? What I don't it, remember the muscle fiber. How could fiber, you know what a muscle yeah. fiber of a prospect yeah. is if it's twitchy or? Right. Well, they talked about adding that as one of the things they'll do at the combine. Actually, they're going to make it part of the made for TV part of it, where they mm-hmm. test muscle fibers. Where they test muscle fibers. Yeah. 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 So, and then another one, Dane Brugler for CBS on Malik McDowell, kind of a um, edge rusher, maybe D tackle type. Um, he has, he has a very narrow stance, which, of course, I mean, Max, we're all concerned about that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the double whammy, he also has a high butt. He has a high butt. Yeah. And, I, you know, I said this, so you can get away with a high butt in college, Brian. <laughs> That's right. But when you come to this pro level, you can't, you simply can't yeah. have a high butt and, and expect to succeed. I mean, so these, these things are... They're pretty hilarious, and I know I know these guys are trying to do their best to give you an accurate description. One of my favorites of all time has been like he's a knee bender, yeah. And I think you actually kind of showed me what it would look like if somebody didn't bend their knees, yeah. And it, it, it's how could you not be a yeah. knee bender, right and, right? and play football, let alone walk or be like an actual human being who could get himself places. Yeah, you, you have to bend your knees, don't you? Yeah, there's some you can count on. A knee bender's a good one. Uh, violent hands, violent is, hands is one one I like. Slippery uh, hips, I think, was one that wow. KK had, which yeah. was one of my favorites too. Yeah, and, it, and yeah, it's it's important. Um, you know, I think we have a couple of our own Max that we've come in. Uh, well, give, yeah. So yeah. Give, give the people a taste of kind of what you came up with. Is you, you kind of uh, did a, a mock scouting report uh, of a of a made up prospect where you, you kind of talked about some attributes you might like to see. Yeah. Well, um, I mean. I mean, on the negative side, I mean, you hate when you see a guy that has clunky back arches. I mean, you know, that's... (laughs) Again, immediate red flag if you've got a clunky back arch. Yeah. I mean, how about you, Max? Anything that you look for? Well, I look for guys who are thick-wristed. Yeah. And I think that's that's critical for really all positions, um, especially the guys in the trenches. But the, the, the funny thing I think about that one for me was you wouldn't be shocked to see that on one of these scouting profiles, right? Right. If yeah. you saw somebody touting somebody's thick wrists, yeah, right, right, definitely, it, definitely. It's, it's believable. Yeah, yeah. The the uh, feathery elbow thrusts are something I look for too. I mean, it you know it just shows what kind of athlete you're dealing with there. It it does. It <laughs> does. The, the the feathery the elbow, the better. For a variety of reasons, and I, th- I think it's it's something you don't see often. It's a rare attribute, Brian. Yeah, and uh, twitchy ankles too. And twitchy ankles. Yeah. You, I think b- one thing's for sure throughout reading all these: the twitchier, the better. Right. Am I right? True. True. That's I, that's yeah. the thing we've we've noticed far and away is the the twitchier the athlete, the better he'll be. Yeah. Is there a limit to that though? If you're too twitchy, then does that become well? A didn't negative? you tell me you saw one profile that said you, people love. Guys who have high motors, right? But you saw one whose motor ran too hot, yeah, and so overheated, kind of overheated the motor, right? Right. So which is fascinating. You, just, you can't win with these guys sometimes. So, needless to say, uh, at this point in the process, Brian and I spend a lot of time, uh, kind of deliriously laughing to each other about what we're reading about these scouting profiles. It's that time of year where I'll be honest, we're just ready for draft day. It's got to come already. We've talked about these guys uh, ad nauseum yeah. for so long that I think we're both just ready for some picks to be made. It is amazing. Like, I mean, it's 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 great stuff to talk about this time of year. I mean, it's kind of quiet on the NFL front in theory, so it's great to talk about it. But it's amazing if you do stop to think about how much we've written, how much we've said, how much we've read, and then like. Given Dave Gettleman's history, it's going to be over in a flash. Mm-hmm. The first pick, at least, he's probably you know. Once, uh, who's picking number seven? Um, I know the Chargers. Jets at six, the Chargers at seven. Like before, the commissioner hardly even mentions who the who the Chargers have taken number seven. It may say pick is in for the Panthers, and boom, it's over just like that. But then, of course, we have a whole 
other thing to talk about as far as breaking down who the Panthers did actually pick. But it's crazy how fast it goes relative to the buildup. Yeah, well, that's for sure. Well, I know this. We cannot wait to talk to you guys about the newest Panthers when that day comes. As I said, we're, we're counting it down. I know everybody out there is, too. Uh, hope you guys enjoy this pre-draft podcast, giving you literally everything and anything we can think of to talk about the Panthers as it relates to the draft. And as I said, we're uh, we're just rearing and getting ready to go yeah. for that clock to start and uh, to see what the Panthers are going to do. That's pretty fun, Max. I think we uh, gave the people what they wanted, and they're well. They as be I've fully always said, prepared. the people can never have enough Brian Strickland. I'm simply here to to help them get as much of Brian as they can. That just. That silky smooth voice and that <laughs> that football IQ, you just can't get enough of. Wow. Okay. And remember, I do have twitchy elbows. And too. he has twitchy elbows. What more can you want in a guy? All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you at the draft. <laughs>